0: Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. An Apple a Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. Famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast. And there you're going to find articles about the topics we discuss. You're going to find access to our social networking pages. You're also going to find access to our private message boards and our private chat rooms. There's a lot going on over there, so if you get a minute, go on over. And the best part about it is, the very best part about it is, it's all free. It's all free. The only thing we ask is that you register you know, to go into the message board in the chat rooms. We don't keep your information. We don't sell your information. We don't share your information. We're just verifying that people aren't coming in with several different identities and to wreak havoc on the message board. And You got a minute? Go over there, check it out. How you feeling today, my friends? How was your week? How was your weekend last week? Hey, we're getting into that chilly weather. It's a lot better than that 100-degree stuff, huh? Anyway. We have a really good one for you this week. Let me just start off by saying some people were offended by last week's uh, episode of An Apple a Day because I brought up something about socialism. And I don't think it's a good idea. I'm being honest with you. I'm just sharing my opinion. No, I'm not turning this into some sort of political talk forum. I'm not changing anything. This is still about us, the disabled community. But I want to I ask you, aren't you entitled to your opinions? Just because you're disabled doesn't mean that you've been removed from society. You're still entitled to all your opinions. Your opinions count. You still vote. I hope you still vote. It's very important. It's one of the privileges that we have in this country is to be able to vote. And there's countries where you can't. And ask them how it is. As far as socialism goes, I think socialism is the worst thing in the world. So, I mean, look at Venezuela. Do you want to go grocery shopping in a dumpster? Do you want to go find food that you can cut the green mold off of and then feed your family? Do you want to go hunting for meat in your local zoo? Or, or, you know, take out your your, your pets, Uh, do you want to use them for Sunday dinner? I mean, please, socialism is by far the worst. And the only one that survives in socialism, the only one that gets ahead in socialism, are the people at the top. People like us, we're expendable to them. And I think socialized medicine is probably the worst thing that can happen to us, especially in the, in the disabled community, because somewhere along the line, someone's going to say, well, you know, it's costing too much to keep that Jimmy Apple alive. And what's his prospects for the future? He really doesn't have any. So you know what? Let's deny him that expensive medication and just give him something to tide him over. Is that what you want? You want someone to decide whether you live or die? I don't. So that's just my thoughts on socialism. But here's the thing. I got a letter from someone that was upset by this and said that, you know, they think that socialism is the greatest thing since i sing. Well, that's their prerogative I'm not going to argue with them I'm not like I said this isn't a political discussion or anything like that that was just sharing an idea something that I had read in the paper and I found it very troubling and I just wanted to put it out there make people think and evidently my friend here from New York was thinking about it and he thinks I'm wrong okay that's fine but he goes on to tell me he'll never listen to an apple a day again because I'm some kind of right-wing nut job conservative, and that's your opinion. Me personally, I don't want to be associated with just people who think like I do. I like the debate. I like the the give and take in a conversation. If I wanted to be just around people that are going to agree with me, I can go into any group on Facebook or Twitter or something like that and just sit there and talk to people that are going to go, yes, 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 I agree, I agree, I agree. That's not me. I don't I don't like that. I have a circle of friends that Yeah, we never agree. We're never going to change the world, but sometimes we have conversations like we might. But that's what makes the world go round. Difference of opinions. So I'm sorry, Vinny, in New York. You don't like me. You're never going to listen to me again. I'm sorry you feel that way, but that's your prerogative, my friend. That's your prerogative. Anyway, let's move on. Enough of this. I do have an update, again, from Social Security Disability, and I have a couple of articles here about high blood pressure, strokes, and heart attacks that can affect us as disabled people. Even if you're not diagnosed right now with high blood pressure or a heart condition, these can affect us. Because one thing that we have in common with people who do have heart attacks and do have high blood pressure is that as disabled people, we're not as active as we used to be. We're not as active as we should be, really. But we can't because of our disabilities. These uh, two articles will, will be of interest to you, I'm sure. But you know what? Let's start out with the update from Social Security. Now, how many times, or or maybe it hasn't even happened to you yet, but it might in the future, you change banks and you're getting direct deposit from Social Security. You've changed banks, but now you procrastinate and you forget to tell Social Security that you, you've changed bank accounts. I I have a, a, an update from Social Security just about that. Here goes. It says, uh, with our daily busy lives, it's easy to fall into the cycle of constantly postponing some tasks because other things we need to address right now. This may be true for you when it comes to changing your payment method for social security benefits. Unfortunately, procrastinating on reporting changes can lead to delayed payments, resulting in undue hardship with your bills and living expenses. Ultimately, it's less hassle and less stressful if you report direct deposit changes as soon as it occurs. How can you change your, your direct deposit information with Social Security, you ask? The most convenient way is by creating a, a My Social Security account, which you can do by going to www ssa.gov. Once you create an account, you can update your bank information without having to leave the comfort of your own home. Another way to change your direct deposit is by calling Social Security at one 800 772 one two one three. That's one 1213 to make the change over the phone. If you prefer to speak to someone in person, you can visit a local Social Security office with the necessary information. What exactly will Social Security need to make the direct deposit change? Because they're committed to protecting uh, our personal information, they need some form of identification to verify who we are. If you're online, we verify your identity when you initially can create your My Social Security account. All you need to do then is log in with your secure username and password and gain instant access to your information. If you call social security, they'll be asking you some identifying questions to ensure they're speaking to the right person. If you visit the social security office, you'll need to bring a driver's license or some form of ID with you. Once they've identified who you are and you are the correct person and are authorized to make the changes on social security record, you need to bring the routing number and the account number and the type of account established. In other words, you have to bring the information for your new banking account to them. They don't ask you for a voided check, nor do they obtain other verification from the bank. Therefore, you should be sure you're providing accurate information. The day of the month you report the deposit change makes all the difference. Though the exact date varies each month, generally you need to report changes by this 15th to see the effect on your next check. When the 15th falls on the weekend or on a holiday, the cutoff date is usually the last business day before. For example, using this month for example, September 2018, if you switch banks and have a new account in September, you will need to provide the new information to Social Security by September 14th to receive your next payment in your new account. If you don't report the change to us until September 28th, your next payment is going to go into your old account. Because you may be unsure if your direct deposit change will affect your next payment, we highly recommend that you do not close the old bank account until you have seen your first Social Security deposit in your new bank account. That way you can feel secure that you will receive your benefits on time regardless of when the change was reported to Social Security. Waiting until you see the deposit in your new account also gives you that extra peace of mind that we have processed change correctly. The first step in fighting procrastination is increasing. Increased awareness. Knowing how easy it is to report a direct deposit change, what information you need to report, and when, can encourage you to get in touch with Social Security at the earliest possible moment. In addition, making sure that we know about a change early ensures that we make the transition as smooth as possible. When you have to report changes, be sure to contact us or visit us online at www ssa.gov social security always strives to put you in control by providing the best experience and service no matter where when or how you decide to do business with us so there you have it just the the recap here if you change banks if you're moving you change banks or you change bank account so you go from a checking to a savings or vice versa give social security the information and remember you don't have to give them a voided check you just need the routing number and the account number and the type of account that it is so it's really easy and let me just maybe put this out there i know when i was very first on social security i used to get nervous whenever i had to make any kind of change i thought oh my God, this is going to mess me up altogether. I I mean, I've changed banks. I've moved around. And one thing I have to say, put all of that out of your mind. Don't stress yourself out about it, okay? You have to change banks. You have to change banks. They're not going to think anything about you. They deal with thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. So get it out of your mind that they're looking at you individually, okay? You just have to provide the information that they need so that there can be a smooth transition the way the update says. That's all. Don't worry about changing things with social security disability as long as you're doing it the right way and give them plenty of time. And another thing, don't get rid of your old account. Remember that. Don't get rid of your old account until you see the deposit in your new account. It's it's important. This way, you're making sure that you're not going to miss a payment somewhere along the way or have a payment held back or delayed and this way you can keep up with paying your bills and keep on living actually so keep the keep the account for another month after you receive it just to make sure everything goes along smoothly all right let's move on here we ran a little long here so we're going to take a bit of a break but on the other side we're going to discuss something that boosts your heart attack and stroke risk. And not just for you, the disabled person, but for anybody. So it's good to know. It's good to look out for in yourself and others. And we're going to solve an age-old debate that goes on between husband and wife all the time. Is it better to have the temperature in your house ice cold or warm? Which is the better way? Which is the better way to go to sleep? My wife, she'd go to sleep in the middle of the winter. It could be Ten below zero out, and she'll want the window open, and then cover herself up in all the blankets, and I mean all of them. Stick them all off the bed, and there I am left shivering. But (laughs) which is better? What do you think? Is it better to go to bed with it ice cold, and you'll wake up rejuvenated in the morning, or is it better to go to bed and it be warm in the room? Think about it. We'll let you know on the other side of this break. An Apple A Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. Famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast. There you're going to find articles about the topics we've discussed. You're going to find our connections to our Facebook page. And you're even going to find connections to our private chat board. So take a minute. Go over. Visit www.famousapple.com. or please wait till the end of this podcast. Don't run out of me now. Let's get back to the discussion. And we're back. That wasn't so bad, 30 seconds. All right, we're gonna talk about heart attack and strokes and what puts you at risk. Here's something for you that you might not have thought about, or you might have, but it's just something. Did you know distress boosts your heart attack and stroke risks? That's right, I I got a report here from Medical News today. A new study confirms that high or very high psychological distress Due to depression or anxiety impacts a person's risk of experiencing cardiovascular health problems such as heart attack and stroke. Researchers from the University of Edinburgh in the United Kingdom and the University of Queensland in Brisbane, Australia have conducted a large study investigating the association between measures of psychological distress and cardiovascular risk. The idea that Mental health status can influence a person's risk of having a cardiovascular health event, isn't a new one. In fact, increasing numbers of studies have been examining it in an effort to gain better understanding of how much bearing psychological factors have on physical health. In the new study, the team assessed a, a cohort of 221,677 participants aged 45 and over, focusing on their individual levels of distress following the evolution of their cardiovascular health over the years. The investigators' analysis led them to conclude that the psychological distress influences the risk of events such as heart attack and stroke independently of other factors. For this reason, in the paper they recently published cardiovascular quality and outcomes, they advised that people already at risk for cardiovascular health problems should take instances of psychological distress as a serious influencing factor the researchers worked with participants recruited via the 45 and up study volunteers joined the study in 2006 through 2009 and none of them had experienced a heart attack or a stroke at the time of recruitment one of the total number of, of the total number of participants 119,638 were women aged 60 on average and 102,039 were men, age 62 on average. After counting the impact of other relevant factors, including smoking, diet, regular alcohol intake, medical history, the research team was able to confirm that a link between high or very high psychological distress and a boosted cardiovascular risk remained in place. While these factors might explain some of the observed increased risk, they do not appear to account for all of it, indicating that Other mechanisms are likely to be important, explains the senior study author Carolyn Jackson. Specifically, researchers found that women experiencing high or very high psychological distress had a 44% higher risk of stroke. As for men, those aged 45 to 79 who reported high or very high distress had 30% higher risk of heart attack. For men, the association appears to become weaker with age. With those aged 80 or over experiencing a lower increase in risk, even with high measures of distress. In order to determine the participants' levels of psychological distress, the researchers use self assessment questions featuring questions such as how often do you feel tired out for no good reason, and how often do you feel so sad that nothing could cheer you up? According to the results, 16.2% of the participants experienced moderate levels of psychological distress, while 7.3% reported high or very high distress levels. The participants' health developments were followed for a period of four years, during which time the researchers recorded 4,573 heart attacks and 2,421 strokes. Importantly, the investigators, note that a person's overall risk for heart attack and stroke increased with each measure of psychological distress. At the time, researchers stressed the need to conduct further studies addressing the underlying mechanisms that may be at play. They also add that they need to gain a better understanding of the potential differences in risk between men and women. Jackson further emphasizes that individuals experiencing psychological distress should receive more focus attention and assistance for the symptom management as their mental health status may actually harm their physical health well there you go <laughs> depression and anxiety can kill you stress can kill you what they're saying here basically is depression plays a part in your health so what should you do You know, you've seen the questions that they ask. Are you more tired than you have been? Do you get sad to the point that you can't find joy in anything? You know what? You start feeling like that. The minute you start feeling like that, you should let your doctor know. Don't go to the doctor and he'll say to you, well, how do you feel? And you're going to say, well, I feel all right. No, you don't. Tell him the truth. Tell him, look, I've been sleeping, like, for the last four days, I've been sleeping 24 hours a day. And I'm just feeling sad. I'm feeling blue. I'm feeling melancholy. Just let him know these things this way you know it could be as simple as adjusting medication or it could be adding medication but something has to be done when you're feeling like this it's not because well i'm disabled no what it is is because there's something going on inside of you so you have to make sure that you let the doctors know this okay Uh, let's move on to the next one let's see does your spouse think that at night your bedroom should be cold mine does my always does. So we're, we're going to check that. The next time your spouse says, oh, it's hot in here, open the window. You can tell them that there's a study out, and it's printed in the medical news today. It says, according to a recently published study, living in a cooler house might be a risk factor for hypertension. The authors believe that the temperature of the home should be discussed with people who are at risk. High blood pressure, or hypertension, affects more than 100 million adults in the United States. Though hypertension rarely produces significant symptoms, it increases the risk of other more serious problems that may be life-changing changing, such as a stroke or a heart attack. High blood pressure is increasingly prevalent and lays the groundwork for significant and potentially life-changing health outcomes. For these reasons, it's important to understand why it occurs and how it can be managed. Many risk factors such as older age, a family history of hypertension, an unhealthful diet, being overweight, smoking tobacco, and drinking too much alcohol are already known. Now add to that the fact that you're in a cold, cold environment in the At night when you sleep. So it could be affecting your blood pressure. Uh, Next time your wife wants or your husband wants those windows open in the middle of the winter, ask him. are you trying to kill me or what? Well, there you have it. I want to thank you very much for stopping by this week. I really appreciate it. And if you get a chance, do me a favor. Subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a message in the comment box. Rate us. If you're on iTunes, rate us on the page there. I appreciate it. Listen, if you want to get in touch with me, you can... Get me at admin at famousapple.com. That's A D M I N at famousapple.com. Send me your emails. Send me what you think. Tell me what you think about the podcast. Tell me where, where we need to improve. Now, one thing I do want to let you know is famousapple.com, the website, is going to go through. We, we started doing a, a rehash of the website but we we decided to stop and we're going to redo the entire site. So that's going to be great. It's going to take us a couple more weeks to get it up The way it's supposed to be but it is up it is functioning the message boards are functioning the chat rooms are functioning you can catch us on facebook or on twitter or linkedin uh tumblr we're all over the place and you can also listen to us on stitcher radio so everything is going good and i hope everything is going good for you so remember this things can always be worse you may be having a time right now where you're thinking oh my god this can't get any worse this is terrible it can always be worse. Trust me. Also, there's people right now striving. They're fighting to get where you're at. They're looking up at you saying, I wish I was there. So remember that. And remember to be kind to those around us. Everyone needs a hand up every so often. All right, my friends, thank you very much again for being here today. Thank you for letting me talk my head off, (laughs) and uh, I'll definitely talk to you the early part of next week. Have a great day. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. This is Jimmy Apple. Thanks for listening to An Apple a Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.